Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Hello. We're breaking the format just a little bit for this final episode of season three of Big Squid. Uh, basically, I just wanted to have a quick little chat with you before we go straight into the Christmas show. To be honest, there were some audio issues, nothing major, uh, just a few uh, of our uh, feeds just kind of seemed to drop off as the show progressed. So, as an example, there are the Cal Wilson as Adele intros. I think the last one or two isn't as clear as the initial ones. Who knows what happened there? And there was also uh, just a little issue with Georgia Mooney's microphone, which is really annoying <laughs> because she has such a beautiful voice. And I had to do a bit of playing around to make certain that you could hear her more prominently than her instrument. And look, I don't really have any formal training <laughs> in audio production. Everything I know has been learnt on the job over years of podcasting. I think it's gotten better during this year. I think it's gotten much better during... Uh, especially that uh, initial lockdown, I had a bit more of an opportunity to play around with things. And as you know, I'm starting to make little intros for segments and stuff like that. And I'll be doing more of that further as we go along. But when you really boil it down, I don't have that much in the way of skills. So I've done my best with it for you. And uh, I think it sounds fine. Like, I don't think you're going to get to it and go, oh, hang on, this is a disaster. But you'll just kind of notice that some people sound a little bit more prominent and sound, and some people are just sounding uh, slightly fainter. And I did my best. <laughs> I really uh, uh, spent 
a whole day on it uh, yesterday trying to uh, even stuff out and make things a little bit better for you. But uh, I think it holds up as a whole and it's a really fun show. I think everyone brought their A game. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to finish on a normal type of episode for this season and for this year as well. Uh, I'm recording this on the morning of the 21st of December. Um, I got out of Sydney just before this latest cluster kicked in. So I literally had a flight at 4.30pm on the Thursday and I came back here to Adelaide to do my final gig for the year and also just to catch up with uh, mum and uh, the extended family and, and friends, etc. So uh, so I got into Adelaide at like 6pm, 6 6.30 on the Thursday and then, you know, on the Friday, this uh, new COVID cluster kicked off in New South Wales and it looks like it is going to be a disappointing Christmas, but... Not to downplay anyone feeling bad about that or feeling uh, let down by this predicament, but you look at our friends in the UK, you look at our friends in America, you look at people all over the world, and even though this cluster in New South Wales is not great, it is also, at this stage, looking like it's potentially manageable, so... Hopefully the government will make uh, the correct decisions. Go hard, I reckon, you know. Go hard with these things. I know we all kind of made fun of Adelaide when they went into lockdown for a couple of days over misinformation, but it's much better to overreact to this kind of thing and, and stamp it down and get on top of it. And hopefully maybe some of Christmas and New Year's Eve is uh, salvageable up there. But most importantly, you just don't want to get it, you know. I think uh, Georgia Mooney posted on Instagram, uh, you know, like it's nine months later and she's still feeling the ramifications of having COVID. So I think we kind of easily forget that it is not something that you want to catch. It's not just a flu. It's it's so much more. And just be careful, you know. There's nothing really more to it, is there? You just need to be careful and you need to be smart and you need to be thinking of yourself and you also need to be thinking of your surroundings and the people that make up uh, your part of the world. You have a responsibility to them and yourself. And, uh, you know, that's how I've tried to approach it. You know, everything from paying your bills to just looking after yourself physically. So, yeah, what a crazy end to a crazy year. I have to say, I've really enjoyed your company and I've had a lot of fun with this podcast. It is a podcast that is going to hopefully keep evolving and uh, keep sort of growing into something more. I'd, uh, I'd hate to think that this is just what it is. I like where it is at the moment, but as you have new thoughts and new ideas, you want to have something that's malleable, that can build and can grow. And that's what I really enjoyed, uh, you know, about the different seasons so far. 
the first season was such a fly by the pants. I talk about it a little bit in uh, in the live show that you're about to hear, so I won't go over that ground too much. But it was a little bit flying by the seat of the pants uh, just because it was meant to be a TV show. Uh, well, it was pitched as a TV show. And then when that got rejected, it was like, oh, well, I'll just do this myself. Which, <laughs> to be honest, that sums up most of my career. Ah, all right. You didn't really see what I was talking about or you didn't get what I was talking about. Well, why don't I just do it? And I have complete faith that there are people out there who will find it and who will connect with it and won't need laborious explanations. They will just get it because people are smart and people know what they like and it's not ones and zeros and it's not algorithms. It's it's emotional it's it's stuff that gets you on the subconscious and you know I'm not saying this uh, podcast is for everyone either but I know who it is for and there's a lot more of us out there than uh, than algorithms would imply so that first one was really fun and as I've mentioned many times before (laughs) after spending a couple of hours on the first five to seven minutes of uh, the opening to Watchmen and just thinking, fuck, what have I gotten myself into? But it was great and I loved it. And then I really enjoyed uh, the second season with Black Star. And I know that was, uh, you know, that was a really important part of the evolution of the podcast. And it also gave me something to really focus on specifically focus on during uh, that lockdown so uh, I have a lot of fond memories of that podcast and then that allowed me to sort of think okay well where do we take it from here and here we are at the end of season three and I think I'm a better podcaster as well for it I think uh, I think the ability to be able to concentrate on it and uh, keep taking it into new places has been really handy and, uh, you know, I, f- I feel like it's affected the way that I do stand-up as well. I feel like anyone who was in Adelaide on uh, on last Friday at the gig at the Rhino Room, like, I had a really good time. I had a really fun night and felt like I did the right amount. I think it was just under 50 minutes, something like that. Felt good and probably the most fun I had doing stand-up all year. And I had some really fun gigs, but uh, that one in particular felt great. So so the podcast will probably be, I'm guessing, especially at the start of next year, will be more of the focus. I'm not going to be doing uh, any new live shows. I have a lot of live shows and I would like to do something with them. And if I can keep developing uh, this podcast into ways that aren't just reporting either and not just digging into things like I'd like to get a little bit more of a creative element involved in this and you build the world that you want to live in and this is uh, the place that I feel most comfortable and this is the place that I feel happiest and you know it would be <laughs> it would be great if I can get it to a point where it is uh, earning uh, you know, some sort of wage. That's a way off, you know, it's... Uh, I probably could have done that with my old podcast, Can You Take This Photo, Please? 
But uh, back then it felt like, oh, charging for a podcast, that feels a bit off. And that, that was a relatively big podcast back in its day. And this one is still, you know, like I, I think we're still only about taking the three seasons into account. I think we're still only about 55 episodes in or something like that, which is not really that many when you consider uh, where a lot of podcasts are at uh, number-wise. But I'm very happy with it. And, uh, you know, I guess you just got to have that field of dreams faith where you keep building it and uh, people will come. And so that's what we will do in the new year. I will, as you know, uh, I've mentioned this previously, I'm going to take a little bit of time off just so I can do some family stuff and just recharge as well. Like you're always better when you've walked away from something and you and you come back and can sort of see it a little bit more defined and you've had time to read and listen to music and 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 watch movies and and just feed your brain like nourish that creative side like last last night i mum had recorded a whole lot of movies for me stuff that she'd watched that she thought that i might like to watch and i watched a documentary called half the picture about female directors in hollywood and it's a uh, it's a sobering Doco, like it's really good. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I, I really recommend it. It's um, talking about women directors and, and how hard it is for them in Hollywood. And it's not like I didn't know some of these stories or even have an idea of these stories, but hearing them one after the other is uh, sobering. And I have to say, it really made me feel good that Ben and I are going to be watching Sofia Coppola's movies for uh the next season um you know so it's good to see those kinds of things and you know that's already helped me start to think about uh, how we'll approach that the by the way while i'm talking about it the other movie i watched was a little movie called little men where the only real star that i knew in it was um greg kinnear and uh is it uh, talia balsam anyway uh it's it's a little movie um if you, if you can find it anywhere, it's it's really beautiful. It's about uh, two young boys as uh, finding a, a, a really sweet friendship and uh, the adult world impinges upon it. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit sad actually, <laughs> but it's kind of beautiful as well. And if you ever had a, a friendship that meant a lot to you as a, as a young person and then you for whatever reason, that uh, friendship drifts apart. Uh, there's a poignancy to that. And the characters are really well written and performed. And it's... and it's yeah, There's no real good or bad people in it. Uh, that's what I think I liked about it most. But there, are, there is a sense that regardless of whether you're good or bad, you know, sometimes there will be damage that is done. Uh, it's also really funny. It's also really cute as well. Little men. So check that out. And uh, half the picture, which was, you know, as I said, it kind of, A, gave me real sense that we picked the right director for the next um, for the next season. I think it, it was interesting getting the, the guesses. You know, that was so much fun as well, getting you guys to 
guess who it might be and uh, and I, I think that's informative as well as to why it's good that uh, we picked uh, Sophia and you know we'll keep trying to uh, make good decisions like that and uh, try and uh, broaden what we're doing and and you know to be honest, it would have been sexier to do David Fincher off the back of Christopher Nolan, right? But uh, sometimes I think it's more important to make bolder choices. And, you know, you roll with it. I, I would guess a David Fincher season would get a lot more eyes and ears on it. But I think it's more important to do uh, Sophia Coppola and her work. So, anyway... I'm rambling a little bit. I just wanted to have a, a bit of a chat with you before the end of the year. Uh, I was really happy with this live show and we're going to do more of them I, and I hope you like them as well. They're really hard to put together uh, just because it's just a lot of wrangling, right? You know, like I'm I'm doing all of it. Anyone who's seen the live shows, especially at Giant Dwarf, knows that I'm also the stagehand. Like, I am moving microphones, I'm moving chairs in between Cal's intros to get people in perfect position, you know. And I, it's funny, they're, they're so full on and they take, especially on the day, there's so much that I need to keep an eye on and then I have to host it and I have to be present in every second of, uh, you know, what's going down. And it's always about two or three days later that uh, when I think about it, I had a good time. But I don't I don't know if I necessarily... Uh, I don't have a bad time, but I don't necessarily have uh, a fun time because there's just too much to do. And there's always someone saying, hey, man, why don't you just relax and have a good time? Well, yeah, but someone also needs to do this to make it work. And listening back on it, I was like, oh, you know what? What a what a fun show and what a good bunch of people and lots of different uh, textures to the, the, the types of people that we have on and their approaches, etc. It's a real, real treat having Richard Feidler as, as our regular, isn't it? <laughs> Brings a touch of class and Georgia Mooney and, you know, uh, you know, Ben, all of them. They all do such a an excellent job you get a little different taste of rove and alex j came so prepared there's a lot of uh visuals for alex but um you know i, I tried to do my best to describe it while while i was looking at it uh but um you know you might have to use your imagination for some of it or you know hey if you didn't get to see it uh, tune in next time you can see the visuals uh, and uh, it was nice to have Alice Fraser back. I hadn't seen Alice in such a long time. Uh, she's just great people, and uh, she really brings it as well. And, you know, Cal Wilson as Adele, like, damn. Like, <laughs> just so many jokes. Just so funny. That's why I wanted to change up the format of this, because I think the way that the, <laughs> the podcast ends is exactly how the year should end. <laughs> and it's all Cal. <laughs> Ah, so good. All right. Well, look, the podcast will be back, uh, I'm guessing, early January. Uh, you know, I'll I'll produce this, I'll put this up online, and then 
I'll do a little bit of promotion, but otherwise I'm going to just, you know, consume and uh, build the brain and uh, work on these uh, other little ideas and projects. And then, you know, if you want to keep up to date, you know, we've got our Facebook page. I'll keep things kind of rolling there. We've got our private Facebook page as well. So I'll uh, I'll be keeping uh, people informed. But otherwise, keep an eye out on Twitter or or uh, uh, my Instagram page, which uh, which is fun. And uh, we'll we'll let you know when it's coming back and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I'm actually really looking forward to getting this next season up and running, but just know that it's smart at the moment to stop, take a breath and uh, build yourself up and get yourself ready for this next season. You know, I think uh, if, if everything continues uh, as according to plan, there's a new live show on the 14th of February, which will be all about love, but it will be all about love in a big squid kind of way. So that'll be a lot of fun. Already it feels like there's a lot to work towards. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you saw it uh, on the night, I hope it brings back some really good memories. If you missed it, I hope that you can still pick up on the fun. I, I, I think you'll still really enjoy it. The energy's great. Everyone's in a good mood. And most importantly, wherever you are in the world, uh, I hope you're healthy and I hope, hope you're safe, you know, and, uh, and I hope you continue to be all of those things. And I hope you're inspired. I hope you're finding things that inspire you, whether they're big or small and whether the inspiration is life-changing or it just makes you feel good in the day. Inspiration takes many forms and has many different effects. So uh, I really hope that uh, you're feeling inspired in uh, whatever way and whatever form it takes. Thanks so much for listening this year. It's been great having your company. It is not taken for granted. And... How about we just get into one more cheesy opening (laughs) for 2020. Enjoy the live show and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Until then. Don't look now, but there's rumours on Tatooine that the true father of Baby Yoda is the host of this very podcast. My name is Justin Hamilton, and tonight I will refute all Jedi Muppet allegations here on Big Squid. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was $17.99 well spent on that music. Thank you for coming along to the show. Thank you for the people here. Thank you for the people who are at home streaming this, probably touching themselves funny while they're watching me. Stop it. I know it's a linen shirt. It looks good. But anyway, thank you very much for coming along. For those of you who have never been to Big Squid before, this started a year ago and it was a podcast that covered the HBO series and the graphic novel Watchmen. And we did one season of that and we had a really good time and then we thought we might do something else with it. And then the pandemic kicked in 
and I didn't see anyone for three months. So I decided, well, while I'm feeling really good about myself, I'll do a second season and I'll cover David Bowie's last album before he died, right? <laughs> what a cheerful way to deal with things. But then once I wanted to do the next season of the podcast, I was thinking, well, what could we do with it? And my initial idea was I wanted to do something that was positive. I wanted to do something that put something out into the world that let people have a good time. But I also didn't want to be one of those people going, hey, everything's going to be fine. Because as soon as someone says that to you, your initial reaction is, hey, why don't you fuck off? <laughs> so I tried to just make it a very positive experience. And, uh, you know, as you who have listened to it, you know what kind of podcast it is. Sometimes there will be a review of a graphic novel. Sometimes I'll bang on about Christopher Nolan. Sometimes I'll talk about Brian Ferry. Sometimes I'll bang on about Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you know exactly what's going to be coming your way. And uh, we decided we we're going to do a Christmas show, but I'm an atheist. I'm a card-carrying atheist. And you know that Christmas can be a little bit shit sometimes. It can be a bit of a shit time of the year. So rather than do a normal Christmas show, because who gives a fuck about baby Jesus, for me it's all about baby Yoda. Until baby Jesus can force choke a stormtrooper, I have no interest in that guy, right? <laughs> so we, what we're doing with this podcast is we're going to celebrate Christmas the way I celebrate it. And I come from a single mum background. My mum lives in Adelaide. You know, Adelaide, it's where they pronounce Lego correctly. And... <laughs> And the years and years and years ago, like when I was a little fella, we had one of those awful Christmas experiences where men get drunk and men start fighting and men fuck everything up. And my mum said, hey, you know what? You're all assholes. We're never going to spend Christmas together again. And everyone kind of laughed at that. And the very next year, mum and I were watching movies and there were people literally knocking at our door. And mum and I didn't do anything because we were watching The Great Escape and that was heaps better than talking to a fucking uncle, right? <laughs> they kept knocking at the door, they kept knocking at the door. Eventually they got the hint and they left and then the next year they came and they knocked on the door again and we were watching something else and my family went through the stages of grief. Like they were angry, they were upset, they were depressed and then eventually they realised that we'd moved on and they could fuck off. So... Mum and I always get together and even though I'm an atheist, I actually really enjoy Christmas because it's just the two of us eating food, watching movies. So what we decided to do with this is to bring along some of my friends who are going to help you celebrate Christmas in a way that doesn't require family, doesn't require anyone who gets on your nerves and we're going to celebrate it in a really fun way. So are you up for that? It'll be fun. It's going to be good. Uh, I have lots of guests for you. If you've seen the running order and you know what I'm like from previous things, when I could book five people, why don't I just book everyone? And I'm going to throw to one of my favourite people in the world a big round of applause for Adele. Good evening. My name is Adele, not the cheerful singing one. I am once again beaming to you from Melbourne, now out of lockdown. And what a thrill it was to finally get a decent haircut and see all of my friend. <laughs> Tonight, Hamo has asked me to introduce the guests again because he doesn't have two thoughts to rub together. I wonder if crickets rub their thoughts together as well as their legs. I've got off track, my apologies. I am, of course, using Hamo's informal nickname, but if you prefer to be more formal, you can use his full name, Hammunition. <laughs> First up, we have two knowledgeable film discussers. 
they're going to talk about Christmas movies, which excites me because I have a script idea for a retelling of the Jesus origin story. Instead of three wise men coming to visit, it's three white men, and they're called Frank Incense, Merv, and 4X Gold. And all they do is turn up and mansplain to Mary about how to raise the Messiah. It's 47 years long. Anywho, let's meet our first guests, Alex J and Ben Elwood. Not Ben Elton, like I first thought, so there's no point in asking them about life from planet Earth. She's very disappointed that you're not Ben Elton. Oh, I'm sorry about I, that. I, I'm I really am sorry. too. I yeah, have no idea. I I'm the lesser Ben. Thanks. Thanks. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, there you go. That's Adele for you. Just uh, <laughs> bringing you out and making you feel like shit at exactly the same time. Just as I'm to shine. Thank you. Yeah, yes. There you go. Mm. So uh, a real opportunity. Uh, Alex J, you have uh, the movie podcast that you do with Beck Charwood. Yes, I do. And uh, we wanted to talk about the kind of movies that you can play at home that will scare everyone out of your lounge room so you can <laughs> have the house to yourself. Yes, yes. So I've chosen my two favourite movies to watch at Christmas. They're not Christmas movies, um, but they're movies that... The first one is uh, Red Dragon, the prequel to Silence of... The heavily panned prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, because, um, you know, that's what that needed. I needed to really understand where he came from. Did yeah. he get upset about his mum? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, turns out he didn't. He just loves eating people and always has. Um, and so I got, I got, a, I was gifted a DVD of Red Dragon, I think in like 2003 for Christmas. Watched it that day, became obsessed, and every Christmas I watch it now. So, sorry, who, who gave that to you for Christmas? My mum. Right. <laughs> right. Was there any kind of little subtle hint to that? I or? should follow up and <laughs> find out what that's about. <laughs> Not Silence of the Lambs, the prequel. Right. I don't know. I have to think she has like some secret horn for Edward Norton or something. Right. <laughs> yes. As do I. Like mother, like daughter. Right. Um, Ooh, very sexy man. That, that sounds like a Hollywood story waiting to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, the two of you on a date with Edward Norton. Um, so I actually haven't seen mm. Red Dragon. So what can you tell us about that film? Okay. Well, I have um, I have anxiety. So uh, in, uh, this helps me. I have visual aids to help me through my segment. So um, basically, okay, let's go. Uh, basically, like, so this movie has everything you need. If you if you want to weed out the boring relatives at Christmas, this movie has everything you need to do that. Um, can I get the first image, please, mister? So it has Edward Norton being sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a th yeah, that's a, that's a pretty hot-looking Edward Norton. Isn't it? Um, if we just, like, forget Fight Club Edward, Edward Norton and just... Focus on this one. Right. He's not sexy in Fight Club, is he? No, he's no. not. He's, he's sexier in Fight Club than he is there. He looks harrowed and terrified there. In Fight Club, he's empowered, you know? Yeah. There, there he looks like he's really furious that he's come home and he doesn't have any Metamucil. <laughs> That is, that is a that is recurring hot. plot line. Right, is it? Dragon, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't need to see it. His lack of fibre. Right. Um, he has too much really and he has angry. a real red dragon, right? <laughs> Hasn't this podcast been derailed very early? It's so visual. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of said it and then I visualised it and then all I wanted to do was say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and, okay, second thing is uh, we have, if we could get the next photo, please, Anthony Hopkins stabbing Edward Norton. <laughs> what? He looks what like he's coming. Somehow it's horny. Somehow <laughs> it's, it's horny. What? He's jizzing. 
What's he, what's he stabbing him with? That's what I want to know. His peanut. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Goodness. He's basting the meat. I've always, I've always been afraid of being stabbed to death, but it looks quite nice. So, so there's that. Yeah. Um, uh, the next uh, image we have is uh, obviously Ray Fine's butt. Right. Mm. Well, he certainly That's lives up to the last part of his name, doesn't he? <laughs> Probably the first part of his name as well, right? Like, that is... Like, that guy... Once upon a time, I would have been terrified of that guy, but now I just expect him to serve me a really good coffee from Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> He's the supervising manager at JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and obviously, of course, the next slide is uh, the same image. We've got Ray Fine's tattoos, which will weed out the boring relatives, especially my auntie Jenny, oh, yeah. who likes to always comment or ask why I have tattoos. Oh, really? It's that. Right. She's yeah. just a little she bit behind. She fucking hates them. Really? She hates them. Come on, Jenny. I know. So uh, if you, you chuck that on the screen, she'll she'll dart out. Um, the next one we've got is a. a a man on fire in a wheelchair. Right. Which is a cool plot point in this movie. Yeah. That's actually a photo of me halfway through the Joss Whedon JLA movie trying to escape. <laughs> Only a few JLA fans, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> that says more about the movie than it says about the joke. Let me put it that way. Um, and then this is, uh, on the DVD, this is my favourite um, part of the film experience, actually. Yep. On the DVD, there's a special features extra where there's some behind-the-scenes footage of Michael Jackson visiting the set of Red Dragon inexplicably. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Right. He's wow. there. And then that's... Um, so, obviously, Michael is, uh, you know, glowing reputation, nothing wrong there. Yeah. And Brett Ratner... <laughs> <laughs> also, He's glowing reputation. <laughs> yeah. Again, glowing reputation, nothing wrong there. Yeah. What do you reckon they talked about? Uh, All sorts of things we don't want to mention on yeah, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's a lot more terrifying Everything than anything in Red Dragon. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, and apparently Michael Jackson turned up to see what the, the comedy that was being made, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's uh, the... Oh, uh, sorry, there's one more, one more slide, of course. Uh, this is me telling everyone it's a prequel and not a sequel. Get right. it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, that was also the look on your face when I made the JLA joke. But um, <laughs> that was more. So uh, and so and that clears the house. Does that clear? It always clears the house. Like when I I, I take the front room at mum and dad's. Yeah. My sister will join me. Yep. Um, she doesn't necessarily love the movie. She just loves me. And uh, oh. I have her under my thumb. Oh, isn't that nice? It's very nice. She's my little sister. I right. used to make her do everything for me. Right. Um, and I also used to make her, I was <laughs> when we were smaller, I would never let her sit on the couch with me while watching the movie. I would always make her sit on the ground. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Such a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have the same thing and I'm an only child. So... <laughs> The sadness. Hammer, sit on the ground. <laughs> so, uh, Ben, have you seen uh, Red Dragon? I saw Red Dragon when it first came out at the cinemas. That's the one where... Uh, we could probably uh, uh, move on to just... Yeah, that's where right. Ray Liotta gets his head skull capped that's and they eat his Hannibal. brain. That's the third one. Oh, that's one. Hannibal. I'm also so heavily panned. Yeah, right. Um, Silence of the Lambs is the only one that's... I have, I, I, then I have no memories of Red Dragon, other than Ray Fine's butt. 
Yeah. I do well, remember that. And glass on the eyes, bits of mirrors on the eyes. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's pretty It's pretty harrowing. Yeah. I could have shown all those things, but it's quite graphic, yeah. actually. Um, no, we'll just go with the guy in the wheelchair on fire. Yeah. Instead. yeah. Um, unfortunately, played by C- Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh. which is quite sad and yeah. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, sometimes when everyone's having a good time it's good to throw something out that reminds yeah, them they should really be sad. Yeah, I just like to reset the room yeah. whenever I can. So, <laughs> um, and so what's your second movie? Okay, and my second movie, uh, now this is a, you have to go with me on this one, it's not necessarily a movie but I do think of it as a film with a narrative arc. It is um, Garth Brooks' 1992 <laughs> concert, This is Garth Brooks. Wow. That's like... Good, you're all with me? Good. You've all seen it, obviously. We've got some young people in the audience. That's called a VHS tape. Yeah, I've I've lost the VHS tape, but I still have the cover. You still have the cover? Well, you you probably held on to the most important part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can just remember what it used to contain. Yeah, and I did at one stage have like an illegally torrented download of the concert on an external hard drive. Right. But then I played it at my ex's house on his television and his television fried the hard drive. (laughs) So that's why we broke up. (laughs) 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 It was the universe doing you all a favour, you know. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So so what can you tell us about? Okay, (laughs) Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, this is what the angel slash Garth Brooks looks like. Oh. It looks like <laughs> vanilla ice. How dare you? He looks like vanilla ice. He looks no, like he an angel walking on earth. Uh. Um, or as his birth name is actually Troyal Garth Brooks. Troyal? Like royal but with a T at the bottom. Oh, the no, beginning. I got it. I, uh, yep. Why, did, why didn't he go with Troyal? Everyone would remember Troil that. Troyal Brooks. <laughs> Famous. Oh, he's a country singer, by the way, also, if, if no one knows. Um, and there was that, uh, that, that country and western uh, existentialist book about the, the Troil of France. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of it was exis- a long bow, but enjoy it, people. Uh, I mean, speaking of existentialism, I, I know you're all wondering, but yes, this, uh, this VHS of his concert does precede his very brief jump into emo music, This Is Real, uh, with an alter ego oh, character. Yeah, yeah. There's an alter ego character he had called Chris Gaines for a oh, while. Oh, yes. Yes. That's real. Like... This man is like 60 years old. <laughs> like, you, you know what I want to be there for? When he pitches this to his yum, team. Yum, 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 <laughs> like, this is This is when you know that you're too famous and too rich when you pitch an idea like this and they look at you and they go... Yeah, let's do it, Troyal. I mean, you're Troyal Brooks. <laughs> How can we argue with Troyal? You should have called this guy. This looks like a fucking Troyal, That's right? Yeah, why do you go? With, he went Chris Gaines, li- a completely alter ego, separate character. Right, we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what's that? So what's what's the alter ego's character? I know a little bit about this, but what's mm. what's the main thing going on with this alter ego? Is it is it purely it's emo music? It was yeah. He was like, I really just want to get into like emo, like emo country. If right. you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm not heavily across his catalogue as Chris Gaines. I refuse to be. I'm a, I'm a purist. I'm a Garth Brooks purist. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so this film, um, oh. it is a film, it's, it's a concept, but it is also a film because Spli I wish I could get video clips of it, but Garth Brooks um, famously has none of his of music or anything anywhere on iTunes or anything. Like, he just is real cool like that. Uh, so No, but it's a really smart move because the last thing you want is a new generation of people finding no. you, right? No! <laughs> no! The one generation... They die out. Yeah. That and then Chris Gaines makes a resurgence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's playing. He's playing the long game. Yeah. This is going to be Chris Gaines that coming back. That goatee is coming back. You know. Goodness. It. Um, okay. So all, all I can hear literally is women's ovary shriveling. <laughs> it is amazing. Mm, mm. I just grew some and they shriveled just so I could be in <laughs> in lockdown with them. Um, so that it has the the concert does have like a narrative arc. Oh, thank um, goodness! But yes, <laughs> I know you're all desperately wondering. Um, so basically, it's a concert, and then spliced throughout the concert is some really cool uh, and nice like just clips of Garth just kind of like walking through a field and like musing yeah. on things. If we just get a little, there he is. Oh yeah. And just having little musings, little like he's like 25 and uh, bald, and he's just talking about life and his little sayings and stuff. So um, basically, so there's an arc. Like he, he starts the he starts the concert as someone playing at a concert, um, and then he in the middle he's walking through a field. Right. And then at the end. He's just finished a concert. So that's an arc. Yeah. Right. It's a fucking arc. Incredible arc. What, what, what an arc. Yeah, what an arc. He, he's a bit tired. That's he, he all. Um, in that photo, he looks like a Muppet that Jim Henson rejected. Doesn't <laughs> he? <laughs> no, we don't need this one. Bring back Miss Piggy. Um, so, yeah, so anyone who sticks around while watching this, I watch this at Christmas all the time as well. <laughs> right. It's, uh, it's just basically me, my sister, of course, and my dad, if he's had a few, <laughs> he'll stick around. Uh, but this concert does have everything you need to weed out the boring relatives as well, just like Red Dragon. Um, number one, we have dudes smashing guitars against oh. each other. Oh, um, men. I know, right? So toxic. Um, <laughs> uh, number two, we have Garth Brooks's yummy thighs and butt. Oh. Goodness. Famously Look excellent thighs and butt on yeah. that man. Wow. <laughs> Look at, like... Um, we got The women go crazy. <laughs> Goodness. It's very horny. Yeah. Um, He's got a tight bum, hasn't he? He does. Goodness. I keep telling you all the time, but you yeah. don't believe me. Look at her face. I don't know if she's... She looks like she's hanging out with Edward Norton after he's been stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I like crossover. Um, Get away from her, Hannibal. Someone had to say it. And number three, we have Ty England. Now, this is, he was his lead guitarist in the concert. He also has the yummy thighs and butt. Oh, yeah. Um, I tell you what, though. Look at that winner in the background with that shirt. Fuck. It's, this, so this is like 1992. It is, in, and like in Texas, it right. is an incredible array of fashion. Um, and so I got very horny for Ty as a 10-year-old. <laughs> which is cool. Is it? The dad <laughs> <laughs> who was in the room yeah. at the time. Um, and then, if, and then to, as just the last one, uh, this, the next slide is just me telling everyone I will absolutely end up marrying Troy Garth Brooks. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. And they're the two, two films that I watch every year at Christmas and it always just ends up being me and my sister. <laughs> well, I, I, I like it, right? No, thank yeah, you. give it up. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I have a feeling, Ben, that you are a big Garth Brooks fan. 
I think oh. everyone is now. Well, when you said that country music's a bit like he's going into an emo direction, country music is a little bit emo That's anyway, what I think. Right? I don't like know, you're already like so sad all yeah. the time. How much sadder can you get? I heard an emo music? song the other day over the radio and the chorus was literally, I want to be a millionaire so freaking bad. And I just wanted to vomit blood. It was the worst that thing sucks. I've ever fucking heard <laughs> Oh, you wanted life. to go the full red dragon? Oh. <laughs> right. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben's going to be hanging around with us for the whole show, but a round of applause for Alex J. Thank you. And... Uh, you don't need to leave yet. What are you doing? Just wait a second. That felt like a goodbye. Sorry. Yeah, no. Jeez, keen to go, right? Yep. Far out. I don't want to know what you're getting off to. And now let's uh, check in with Adele. Things are really going off down here at Melbourne Party Central. Our next guest is going to be talking about the origin story of Father Christmas. Not this Father Christmas, I hope. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly, but it seemed appropriate in the heat of the moment. Anyway, I'm sure like me, you would have been having lots of Christmas carols stuck in your head. What about this one? Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen and said, Stephen, We've been over this before. You can't keep picnicking in my garden. It's trespass. And don't you come into my bedroom again. This isn't the crown. <laughs> Our next guest is much revered and esteemed. Like broccoli. <laughs> I'm out of control. Our next guest is esteemed and revered and has already appeared on this show and chose to come back. Would you please welcome to the stage the one and only. I haven't fact-checked that, there may be several. Let's move on. Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Richard Feidler. Hello. It's just a nice thing to say. It's almost like Adele really likes you. What have you done? How have you won over Adele? I don't know. Hello, Justin. Hello, Ben. Hello, Richard. Fyler. Happy Christmas, everyone. Right. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, well, you, <laughs> you started off like, I'm really into Christmas, and then by the third ho, you were like, who am I kidding? Um, what, what was the, the, the being raised uh, uh, with your family? What was Christmas like for you? Uh, mostly unpleasant, I have to say. Um, I, I had uh, a 70s childhood, and that meant our Christmas tree was uh, bought from Kmart. It, it was a wooden pole with holes in it, and you'd slotted in these arms of a fake Christmas tree which had silver tinsel all over them. And, and they were all of different sizes so that the Christmas tree would taper towards the top. And it, it took several hours of my father to do this. And Dad, Dad was swearing the whole time. He was going, Jesus fucking Christ, like that, as he's assembling the Christmas tree. And then when the whole thing is done, then the cat would attack it and topple the whole thing over. Yeah. Uh, KTEL presents were a big thing of Christmas in the 70s. Uh, oh, yeah. people, are, uh, people are old enough to remember KTEL, uh, sort of a TV, yes, thank you, a bit of appreciation for KTEL. They would sell things, a record selector, which was this uh, sort of mechanical device where you put your LPs, you'd move the first one forward and d d d d the next thing would, <laughs> the rest of the records would pitch over and then fall off the top of the cabinet and right. break. 
And then there were KTL compilation albums, which I got regularly. Bobby Dazzler, uh, Unreal, Superbad, uh, Ripper, Ripper 77. Uh, these were all wonderful things. That was all part of the magic of a 70s Christmas. Ripper 77 was a ripper, right? It was, yeah. There was a, it was the cover was of a, a woman's ass yep. in really tight cut-off jean shorts, but sort of torn down, exposing a large part of one cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just remembering this now. And the tracks were listed on her on her ass cheek. Right. <laughs> as, as it went down her ass cheek. So that was... Look, it was the 70s. We all thought it was fine at the time, everyone. Yeah. And now it would be fine if it was a tattoo, right? Yeah, like that's right. It would be okay a, then, yeah. A yeah. cascade of... Sign of empowerment, yeah. And uh, you've come back to uh, talk to us about the secret origin of Father Christmas. And I wanted to ask you, before you talk about that... Mm -hmm. What's the difference between Santa and Father Christmas? Like, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, for a long time it was always just, you know, the big FC, and then suddenly Santa came in. Is that an Americanism? I found it rather, rather uh, disruptive because uh, in the early mid seventies I lived in Sydney, and then we moved to Adelaide. And in Sydney it was all Santa. Then in Adelaide it was Father Christmas. You, you're an Adelaide boy. Yeah. You remember all that? There was Father Christmas, John Martin's Christmas pageant, yep. and all of that. Um, I, I now know that Santa is a is an American thing by and large, and I'll come to that in a minute. But Father Christmas goes back to an older English tradition where uh, the Puritans during the English Civil War objected to the whole commercialisation of Christmas. In fact, they, did, they thought celebrating Christmas was a bit papist, a bit too Catholic. And so they, uh, they got rid of the whole idea. But then it was revived and there was the idea that Father Christmas was the personification of Christmas. He was like, uh, not a saint, but the personification of the, of the celebration of Christmas. Uh, didn't give away presents, but then Santa started giving out gifts in America and they thought, oh, we'd better catch up and have... Father Christmas toss a few gifts to the kiddies as well. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Were you were you a Father Christmas or a Santa guy, Ben? I was a Santa, but I was one of those children that was terrified of Santa. So every childhood photo of me sitting on Santa's lap, my face is all wrinkled and <laughs> like psychically realizing this is poison. This whole right. thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're lying to me, Mum. <laughs> Actually, I remember the day that I found out that well, I realized that science Santa wasn't real. Yeah. Uh, and I was sitting in the car with Mum, and I looked at her. I was probably about five, and I looked at her and said, "Santa's not real." Is he? And without missing a beat, she just goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and I told her that, and she was like, oh, I'm such a bitch. It's like, no, you reward the child for realising the lie, right? Yeah, yeah but, but most of us know <laughs> that the department store Santa is bullshit, right? I mean, we know it even when we're little, because there's, there's one in this shop, and there's one down the road, there's another one standing in the street, and, and if you look a bit hard, you can recognise he's the local hardware store man, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, proprietor. But you don't say anything because there's a chance you might get presents out of this guy. So you don't give the game away. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the mistake you made, Ben. That you was should a mistake, have held yeah. on to that knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> you were too keen to show off. There should be like a Santa of the dead where we end up getting an infestation of Santas chasing after Indeed. us, yeah. desperately trying to make us buy stuff. So, so where did the idea of Father Christmas start? Well, well th this goes way, way back. And, and we have to go all the way back to the foundation of of the Christian church in the 4th century AD uh, as it becomes like the official church of the Roman Empire. The Romans, ancient Romans, had the festival called Saturnalia uh, that was held around the winter solstice. And it was a festive uh, season. There was a tree uh, that people would often bring into their own houses and gifts would be exchanged. And the whole point of this festival, which was in honour of the god Saturn, was to give people something to look forward to as the days got shorter and shorter, the nights grew longer, and winter was deepening. And so uh, Christmas, uh, Saturnalia was there to mark the switchover from the winter equinox 
into uh, the, the days of starting to get longer again. In the meantime, this is how you keep yourself all cheered up. Uh, the Christian church was established as part of the Roman Empire, as the leading religion of the Roman Empire in the 4th century uh, by the Emperor Constantine the Great. Mm. Now, Constantine the Great, he's one of the four most transfigurative human beings who ever walked the planet. And, and historians put him up there with Jesus Christ, Muhammad, and the Buddha. It, even, even today, there are things we, we see and do because Constantine wished it. And that's because, first of all, he established the city of Constantinople as the new capital of the Roman Empire, which is the city we know today as Istanbul. Mm. And the second thing he did was to make Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then what they had to do after that was to figure out, well, what is the religion going to stand for? Because when you're not persecuting the Christians anymore, when it's no longer a minority Eastern cult, which is how it was seen at the time, what do we all agree and what do we, we all believe? So that's when they had this Council of Nicaea, which is not far from where uh, Istanbul is today. And people here brought up Christian, many people brought up here Christians. You, re you recite the Nicene Creed, you know, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his son, and blah, 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 blah. Well, that was, that was put together as a common sort of uh, mission statement, if you like, of the, of the church, as it was being founded as the official Roman religion. And there was a lot of dissent at the time. And the dissent came around the whole point of what was Jesus made from? Because he's supposed to be the son of God, yet is God at the same time. So is he like, you know, God Jr.? Is he, is he made of the same stuff as God? Or is he born into this world and therefore is sort of more mortal? And we ha he has to be mortal because we have to identify with him being, uh, being persecuted and dying on a cross. So is he the same thing as God or is he a different thing to God? And this I, was, this I thought was he was made fine. of bread. Yeah, well, <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. That's, why, that's why I'm an atheist. I'm trying to keep the carbs down. That's all it's about, right? Yeah, exactly, yes. So in the end, they decided that he was the same substance to God. There was a bit of dissent. There was a priest called Arius who uh, walked out of the, uh, the council and went east and formed a whole other kind of church as a result. And, and th there was a great deal of disruption. And I wrote about this in my, the first book I published called Ghost Empire, which is a history of Byzantium, the second Roman Empire. And it sort of <laughs> tells this story. So do you want me to do a... a yeah, that, absolutely. Fi find that chapter. Ben, do we have any questions from anyone online? Has anyone uh, written We have any? a comment. Uh, this is obviously from someone in some plague-ridden part of the world. It's a little stressful seeing how close they're all sitting on together on stage. <laughs> wow. I barely know Richard, but I feel very comfortable touching him. It's yeah, nice. it's like, it's fine. It's nice to live in a They must be place sitting there feeling their adrenaline picking up yeah, at the moment. It's good, right? Your, your shoe it's is very beautiful. Can I lick you. it? Thank <laughs> you. You can. It's a bit red dragon. I'm Actually, sorry someone, has, close. someone has asked what Richard Feiler's opinion is on with uh, Elf on a Shelf. Uh, I have finally. No finally, someone <laughs> asked Richard the big question. I, I have no opinion on Elf on the Shelf. No. In, in fact, I don't know what that is. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, lost, at, someone at home is very excited. <laughs> I stumped him! <laughs> so this is a, a chapter in my book that's called Nicholas the Wonder Worker. Emotions had run high at Nicaea. Arius' te testimony to the assembly had so incensed one bishop that he had walked across the conference floor and slapped the heretic in the face. The bishop's name was Nicholas of Myra and those who knew him were shocked because he was a kindly man and much loved by his people. Nicholas had grown up an orphan, his parents dying in a plague epidemic when he was eight. The boy received a sizable inheritance, but chose to give most of it away to the poor and the sick. And for this and other kindnesses, he was appointed the Bishop of Myra, 
in Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey. Bishop Nicholas was suspected of being the secret benefactor of many people in Myra. One man in the town despaired because he had no money to provide dowries for his three daughters. Without such dowries to attract husbands, he feared he'd be forced to sell his daughters into slavery. But on three different nights, a purse of gold was tossed through an open window and landed in a shoe that was drying by the fire. The man concluded the mysterious benefactor must be the bishop. Who else could be so kind? People also told stories of miraculous deeds performed by Nicholas. It was said that during a terrible famine, three children were lured into the house of an evil butcher who killed them and placed their remains in a bag. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. ...to cure their flesh, which he planned to sell to starving people as ham. That's how bad things were in those days. Right. That's how bad it was. Yeah, I'll just have a, a, a like a, a little boy in cheese on rye. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a bit gamey, isn't it? Yeah. Jeez, this kid could have looked yeah. after himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Isn't, he, isn't the official term for human meat long pig? I believe it is. Yeah. I, I right. That's um. Yeah. Also, my dancing name from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> on the day that Bishop Nicholas came into town, the butcher's crime was exposed to him in a vision. Nicholas located the barrels and resurrected the three children from the dead. For this and for other miraculous feats, the bishop achieved great renown as Nicholas the Wonder Worker. He died in 343 AD in Myra and was buried in his local cathedral. Nicholas was recognised as a saint by the church. His spirit was credited with creating miracles long after his death. And in time, his reputation as a gift giver and a protector of children blended together and it became customary to give gifts to children on his feast day in December. Different European nations came to celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas in their own way. Dutch migrants to the United States transmuted the name of St. Nicholas into Sinterklaas, which became Santa Claus, and the gift-giving tradition shifted to Christmas Day, although gifts are still exchanged in many European countries on his feast day of 6th of December. The legend of the coins in the shoe evolved into the tradition of hanging stockings by the fire on Christmas Eve. Icons of St. Nicholas depict him as a thin man in the brocaded robes of a bishop, not as a large man in a red suit. Santa doesn't come from the Arctic Circle. He comes from Asia Minor. Today, Nicholas is venerated by the Orthodox Church as the patron saint of children, of barrel makers, sailors, <laughs> merchants, the falsely accused repentant thieves, brewers, pharmacists, archers, pawnbrokers, and 
mercifully, broadcasters. Yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's, it's really cool that he raised those kids from the dead, but could you imagine you've been slaughtered and you come back from the dead, you go, fuck, I was a sandwich. Like, do you yeah. <laughs> Most Christmas myths are prettied up. They've been prettied up. And, and earlier on in Europe, they, they were pretty grim. Like, I spent uh, the run-up to Christmas in Iceland in 2016 with my friend Kari, and they have a whole different really pagan Christmas tradition. They don't have Santa there. They have the 13 Christmas boys or the 13 Yule boys. And they're known as mischievous. They steal food and steal milk and do things like that. And they will, they will, uh, kids leave a shoe out on the windowsill on the 13 days leading up to Christmas. And if they've been nice, if they've been good, they get a little sweetie. And if they've been naughty, uh, the Christmas boys will stuff that shoe with rancid potatoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is something we need to keep kids in line today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think. And these, these Christmas boys, uh, you see them in department stores, like kids dressed up with them, what have you. Uh, they're the children of a giantess called Grilla, who is evil. She's known to walk the streets of Iceland, the, the villages of Iceland, and asking passers-by to give them uh, their children if they've been naughty, and then she'll boil them alive. <laughs> That's it. There's no happy ending to that right. story. It's <laughs> just children boiled yeah. alive. And there's also a, a, a legendary Christmas cat that's gigantic, that walks the streets of Iceland and, and attacks and devours children who are not wearing new clothing. Right. <laughs> that is an angry pussy, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is way more entertaining in Iceland as a yeah. result. <laughs> is, is there a reason that Santa became kind of more cuddly and uh, family-friendly in the West? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's America. It's Sinterklaas becoming Santa Claus. Uh, it was, there was a, a painter, I can't remember the name of the artist who started painting him in a red suit, but that was picked up by Coca-Cola. They didn't invent the red suit, Coca-Cola, but they certainly picked it up yeah. and publicised it and put his image on posters everywhere and it was picked up by other artists like Norman Rockwell. So that's where we get Santa in a big red suit, in the big white beard, coming from the North Pole, when in fact you look at pictures, icons, that, like I say, of St Nicholas, and he's skinny. He looks like a member of Al-Qaeda, essentially. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Christian brocade on, and he's skinny, and he's like that. But uh, lovely chap, apparently. <laughs> lovely chap. <laughs> Give it up for Richard Feidler. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, wait. And uh, let's check in with our good friend Adele. I've had to put my antlers on a bit weird so they fit in the frame. They keep jingling, making me think I have a cat. Here, push, push, push. But on with the introductions. Our next guest is so good at the banjo, she makes you enjoy the banjo. <laughs> and talk about nominative determinism, her last name is Fraser, and gosh, is she good at phrasing. Not like Hamo, who just likes to shout his own name over and over again, like some kind of human Pikachu. Hamo! Hamo! Gotta catch them all. <laughs> and here's who else you've got to catch. And here she comes. It's Alice Fraser. Woo! Go. <laughs> Hello. So, so how, you know, hearing Richard talk about his uh, experience growing up and, uh, you know, with the, with the Kmart uh, tree, etc., how much of that could you relate to? Because I know a little bit about your background and I have a feeling... 
fuck all. <laughs> well, first of all, Chag uh, Seameh, fourth day of Hanukkah. My experience of, of Santa Claus was my Jewish granny who was the most into Christmas of anyone in my family. Right. So, bit of background, my dad's side of the family is Jewish, my mum's side of the family is Catholic. They met in the late 70s at university, so of course I was born and brought up Buddhist. <laughs> uh, I'm oppressed, repressed and depressed. <laughs> I have all of the baggage of yeah. all of the religions, I have the Jewish neuroses, I have the guilt of the Catholics, but I am at one with it. So, <laughs> so my Santa Claus was my Jewish granny who just loved giving presents, but that meant that my experience with no other input of, of, of Santa from my Buddhist parents was uh, Santa was a Hungarian lady with a beard. Uh, who would come bearing goulash. Um, and I don't think that I made the connection for a long time that it was actually my granny. I just thought it made sense that Santa would have a Hungarian accent because it was sort of Transylvania, cold climate <laughs> stuff. But also her idea of, of Christmas was uh, a little left field as well because she had improperly absorbed the lessons of Christmas. Right. Like, her list of the of the reindeer was like you know Donna and Blitzen and Rudolph and Olive, and you know Olive the other reindeer. Yeah, uh, had an olive nose, right? So uh, yeah, it was a very a very specific uh, understanding. And then when I like grew up and looked into the whole thing, I was like Santa Claus A is practice Jesus. Um, B. <laughs> Sorry, practice Jesus. He's practice Jesus. Yeah. He's watching you at all times. He's yeah. judging you. He's creeping down your chimney. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then also, uh, a great way to normalise a surveillance state. Right. <laughs> well, that's Elf on the Shelf, isn't it? Like, yeah. uh, isn't the Elf on the Shelf the... You, you put an elf up and the elf is watching you and so you have to be... And, and then they, then the parents have to move the elf. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's yeah. got like a glossy kind of um, porcelain face. Right. It's horrifying. Right. Yeah. And then you get social credit points that you're judged yeah. on. Right. And, yeah. Uh, it's got a little camera in its eye. Yeah, yeah. and then it, then it comes awake at night with a knife going, kill mummy and daddy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did, um, so y y your grandma's into Christmas, right? Yes. She's into playing... Super into Christmas. Like she had, I remember when T2 lanes came in where you had to have two people in the lane. She had a blow-up Santa Claus that she <laughs> put in the passenger seat. Right. Well... Sounds like she had some good nights outside of Christmas as well, right? Well, she never, she didn't drink, but she loved going through breathalysers. <laughs> so she would have her blow-up Santa and then like a half-full bottle of rum on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep them on their toes. It's yeah. like, she's just not registering at all, right? <laughs> so, so, but your parents were Buddhists. Yes. And so how did they feel about, you know, Nan coming in and, and, and playing this tradition when this is something that they weren't well, really you know, aware you, of. You'd get the presents, then you'd immediately have to renounce all worldly attachment to the presents. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun, right? <laughs> it's great fun. And um, and how do you celebrate it now? Like, what's what's your opinion on Christmas as a, as a grown up? You, you that actually sounds like fun. Look, I don't I like I don't mind Christmas. What I don't like is sexy Christmas. What? You know, sex, like sexy Santa, like sexy Christmas, like people dressing up in short skirts as Santa, uh, Mrs. Claus. Uh, like just right. Anything that involves like fluffiness and sex to me just immediately calls like gloppiness. Is that a word? Well, that it I is can now. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Claggy. <laughs> ben, Ben's woken up. He's, uh, <laughs> hang on, what's this? I feel like, gloppiness? Yeah, I feel yeah. like, you know, sex, particularly good sex, should have an element of moisture. 
<laughs> but it's glop like but like a clag glue of like fluff. it's oh, like right. clag glue. I, I feel like there should be some moisture at some part of the body, right? Yes. Or otherwise, it's yes, the, yeah, but the, the sort of the fluffiness <laughs> of the Santa imagery, but like particularly right. in Australia, you have those Santa clauses in the malls with the like thin white cotton gloves, and you can feel the body heat through them. Very <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> Not sexy. I have to be honest, I had never thought about it, but now that I'm thinking about it, it is upsetting. It's so upsetting. Oh, yeah. I feel like sexiness is a whole, is sort of a confronting part of modern feminism for me. Right. As well. Right. Hang on. Can we just get back to the... So... <laughs> like, so... If you, okay, say you meet someone and you're really into them and it turns out they're a furry, right? And does everyone know what a furry is? People who like to dress up in, in costumes and, you know, like, cool. Like, you know, you do you, right? So what happens if you met someone who was a furry, which means that there would be sexy, fluffy times? Are you, are you out? Is this, a, is this a deal breaker? Well, I would say, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be over here. Not being moist. The, um, so, and so... The, the, the idea of uh, sexy Santa and, and it doesn't really jibe with where you're at. No, no, and just sort of sexiness in general, I think, doesn't <laughs> jibe with where I'm at. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like performative sexiness? Because there's inherent sexiness that people have, that they're not trying to be sexy, but they're just sexy. Well, I, I, I sort of was mainly in, in conflict with my cousin, who's an Instagram influencer, who yeah. has this incredible ability to show both her ass and her face to the camera at all times, like a 90s <laughs> X-Men cover. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like... Impressive physiologically speaking, but upsetting on an emotional level as a family member. Uh, By the way, you picked the right two arseholes to sit between with that X-Men yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. You nailed Deep that. Deep cut. <laughs> like, we were Pandering. both like, we, we, you, you pandered well. That is fantastic. <laughs> now, before, um, you have a song for us, but uh, Ben, does uh, anyone online have a question? I'm actually almost scared to ask now that we've been uh, going into a gloppiness world of furry sex. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, there is a question. Uh, Alice Fraser, if you... Did if you were going out with someone that uh, was into furriness, what uh, character would you want them to dress as? Oh, good question. Oh, I'd, good I'd question. need to have a, a bibliography of the available characters. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not sure that I am sufficiently au fait with the world. Like of Tigger, Piglet. <laughs> yeah. Say it's from like Al Min's uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh catalogue. Who hum are you going with? Eeyore? Humphrey B. Bear. He doesn't even come with pants, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go in the Winnie the Pooh universe, it has to be either Winnie or Piglet because they come pre-unpantsed. Ah, right. very yeah. good. Well, um, Eeyore's naked from the outset. Yeah, true. And Eeyore needs cheering e up. Eeyore has bits <laughs> falling off, which is not my yeah, thing. that's true. Oh, you know, these bits. <laughs> right. yeah, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good question. Eeyore does need cheering up. <laughs> what were you doing last night? Just cheering up Eeyore, mate. Like, you know, sometimes you got to do it. Merry Christmas. Um... So you have a song for us? Yes, so it's about this, this conflict that I have with my cousin who is an online feminist, hashtag feminism, you know, that's her, yeah. you know, hashtag love your body feminism. And yeah. I don't. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, hashtag mm. blessed. But like ha the love your body thing as a, as a manifestation, like I don't love my body. My body is fine. I'm fine with my body. All my elbows are in the right places and I probably do the right amount of poo. Can that be enough? <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, obviously it's hard to be a feminist in the modern world. Yeah. Like, I'm a feminist, obviously, but I didn't become a feminist on purpose. Right. You know, like I thought I was a person. Yep. <laughs> and then... And then you go out in the world and there's a person-shaped hole and you're like, I'm going to go through the person-shaped hole and yep. then somebody's like, too many tits for the hole! Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. 
You know, no, I'm a person. They go, no, you're a woman. You go, no, I'm a person. They go, no, you're a woman. You go, no, I'm a person. They go, oh, you're a feminist. And then, holy fuck, you're a feminist. Right, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly yeah. associated with this whole school of feminism, yeah. most of which you don't agree with. Like, what does it mean to right. say you're a feminist nowadays? Does it mean you're pro-trans, anti-trans, pro-man, anti-man, pro-baby, anti... What does it actually mean uh, other than being sexy on Instagram? Right, yes. So, uh, this is my song about feminism and body image. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Don't objectify me. I'm more than just a snack. I'm more than my incredible body and my frankly excellent rack. Don't think of me as sexy except a little bit. Like, respect my mind the most. But don't totally ignore my tits. They're right there. <laughs> I want you to find me fine but get a boner for my mind I want to be in all your fantasies but not for you to think it's appropriate to tell me I want you to think I'm hot and dream about me quite a lot And want to bang me all the time but not enough to talk to me about it on the train line Or any other form of public transport Or the internet When you treat me like an object almost all of me will object My mind's as full of thoughtful thoughts as my booty's full of sexy sex yeah, sexy, sexy, sex. Everybody, sexy, sexy, sex. I won't be young and hot forever and I'm too confident to care. I don't want to know about your boner, but I want to have a sense it's there. Just a hint of it in the air. I want you to want to bang me, but I don't want to have to want to bang you. I just want to know I can make you want to bang me if I ever wanted to. Which I don't. I did, I wouldn't want you to reject me or say that you respect me too much to have sex with me, which a surprising number of people have said to me in the past and it's extremely frustrating and hurtful. <laughs> Between my body and my mind, I'll choose my mind, it's true. But in mind over matter, let's not pretend that matter doesn't matter just a little bit too. feeling you've never seen two men sitting opposite a banjo staring at the banjo while still listening to the lyrics. Uh, uh, give it up for Alice Fraser one more time. And uh, let's check back in with our friend Adele. <laughs> Christmas is of course a time for laughter. As anyone who has ever read a cracker or had a cracker read to them will know. So now it's time for some cracker-style humour. What's this? I love you, soup. It's the adoration of the magi. 
also it's lucky that Jesus's mother was called Mary and not Karen. Otherwise, when they got to the stable, she would have asked to speak to the manger. <laughs> Our next guest is going to tell us what makes a perfect Doctor Who Christmas. I hope he will also talk about his ambitious Doctor Who Wham crossover band called Home. Great hit. Last Christmas, I gave you my dilithium crystal, and the very next day, you told me it was from Star Trek. Actually, <laughs> I know it was from Star Trek. I'm hoping you also do a supreme Star Trek crossover so we can have Spock in the name of love. It's gotten a bit singy. Perhaps it's time we meet Rove. I think it's Rove, unless it rhymes with love, in which case, would you please welcome to the stage, Rav. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Adele. Rav, that's... Oh, my microphone's... My microphone's not on. Is that... Wait a minute. There's okay. feedback. That's always good. That one? Oh. We've got Hello. heaps of mics. The person is watching at home is going to be freaking the fuck this, out. This is... You can't hear that one either. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Well, now I'm like a, 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 a press conference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I was going to make a joke about that announcement, but now it's probably a bit too far. No, we've, we've, uh, we've moved you, on. You, I, would gonna, I was going to say you'll probably edit it out, but you never edit this podcast. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, Rav is, I like that. It's like Scooby-Doo saying, you know, oh. I rove you. <laughs> I rove you, Dustin. So it's wonderful bit to be here between... You two fine gentlemen. Thanks, man. This is great. Yeah. And uh, as, as someone who celebrates Christmas on a regular basis, but you celebrate... Oh, he's on to me. From a, <laughs> I've been watching... I'm the elf on the shelf. It's Hamo on the shelf. He is a little snitch, isn't he? The elf? I have strong opinions on the elf on the shelf. Oh, we'll share them. Richard Butler needs to hear He's a little pigeon. Yeah, yeah. I don't he's like a, it at all. What a rat. Mm. The idea that parents are employing some toy right. as Santa's yeah little stooge yeah. who will rat you out if you do something wrong and it's made out to be playful. Right. Oh. And then you miss out. I want to gut him like a fish. I saw, wow. I went Christmas shopping for my dog today because that's oh. what you do at this time oh. of year. Wow, sorry. Is no, this, do not judge me. <laughs> is this, she is a good creature. Are we, is this relatable, Rose? This is what the 1% yeah. said. <laughs> And one of the chew toys I was thinking of buying her is the elf on the shelf. Right. And I was all up for just watching her tear that thing apart <laughs> Christmas morning. I've met your dog. You've got a nice dog. Thank you it very deserves, much. It deserves she, she works out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see, too. That's yep. what I like about it. Yes. You know, it's not too in your face. It's just, just nice. Just kind of showing it off a little bit. Anyway, exactly. this got weird. Good. We had a good night She's last good night. Good, yeah, we did. So a lot of wine. A lot of wine. So I hear you're a Doctor Who fan. What? And as someone... I'm curious because... I don't remember the Doctor Who Christmas special being a thing when we were kids. Is that a relatively new phenomenon? Yes. So, in basic terms, I mean, most people know Doctor Who. At some point, the show's been running for almost 60 years. At some point, you dipped into it. Most people dip out again. <laughs> I am not aware of what dipping out means. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a massive gap of like 20 years. I'm like just hanging on with fan fiction and yeah. action figures. But, um, yeah, so there was the, the very early run where most people probably remember Tom Baker with the curly hair and the scarf yeah. for most people of our era. 
That, and that ended around 1989, uh, 86, sorry. And then there was a big gap and then it came back in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor. And ever since then, they, at the end of every year, mm. have a Christmas special. Right. So, yes. In the past, there was only one reference to it in, in the, the third year of the show. There was one random episode that went to air at Christmas. And the Doctor, the very first Doctor, completely broke the fourth wall. There's a weird scene going on where there's like a Keystone Cops chase happening in t- inside his time and space machine. And that just kind of is going on. And he just turns to the camera yeah. and just says, and a happy Christmas to all of you at home. Oh, Straight down the barrel. Right. That's freaky. Those... And then never references it again that's... for 20-something years. That's that weird thing like in James Bond, the George Lazenbury uh, movie, the mm. one movie he made. Like... At the very beginning, something happens, and then he looks down at the camera and he says, yep. "This never happened to the other guy." And you go, yeah. "What the fuck is going on here?" Is right. This is not meant to be high art. It's like, like br- don't bring up the X. Right. <laughs> never bring up the. <laughs> never X. bring up the X. But yeah, since two thousand five has come back, uh, there's been a Christmas special or a holiday special. It's kind of moved into a New Year's yep. special sometimes. And there's uh, there's one coming up uh, this New Year's Day, and that will be the 17th one of the modern era. So it there's a lot to choose from. It feels like the early Doctor acknowledging that there's an audience watching him is the most Doctor Who thing that could happen in the Doctor Who universe, right? Yeah. Like that he's aware that he is a television character in a show. There was one episode mm. where they went back in time to, and the date was very specifically announced as what was the very first so it's November 23rd, 1963, which is the, the date that the first episode ever went to wear. Mm. And you just hear in the background this television says, Welcome back to BBC, where a new program is starting. Its name is... And then they cut away. Very, Very meta Very reference good. to its own television show. So what, what makes a good Christmas special? So I've seen... Or since they've started back with the Eccleston uh, Doctor, I've seen them. I've got a firm view. I've got a favourite, which I haven't told you what it is because I'm <gasps> curious to know if we agree. But uh, what, what Twinsies. Ma- oh, wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> We're in our 40s. So what makes a good Doctor Who Christmas special? Well, I used a very uh, important uh, measuring system for this. Oh. I thoroughly enjoyed watching 16 years of television in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for that. Right. It was a wonderful brief. Yeah. And uh, I seriously did enjoy it. It was wonderful to have an excuse. Oh, honey, it's homework. Um, but I, I was looking at because it's important, because I'm guessing most of you don't watch the show anymore. Would that be safe to say? A lot of heads shaking. Ben? Oh, oh yeah, a yeah. couple of people. Yes, thank you. A few you. people, very excited. Ben, do you watch, have you watched any Doctor Who? I've, I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who never in my entire life. Never seen an episode. Life. That's no, fine. Never, never. And I, li- I, you know, I like sci-fi. <laughs> it's just a bit kind of... So when you were a young child, because yeah. we're all sort of a similar generation, when you would get yeah. home from school, yeah. what would you watch... When you got home, because that's where most people found it. There was the goodies. Well, I'm, there was, I'm a, I'm there a, was monkey magic. Monkey magic was a, f- Danger a big one. Pigsy made me want to throw up in my own mouth. He like did, a really revolting character. And Sandy as well. I was a, yeah. Uh, 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 monkey magic, Ren and Stimpy. I'm a few years uh, younger than you guys. All right, so, okay. Yeah, all right, yeah, fine. Fine. Jesus. yeah, yeah, all right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right, uh, <laughs> so look, fuck mate, off. I'm holding on by yeah, a thread. I'm holding on by a thread, mate. <laughs> I'm 47. I look fabulous. Um, you do. I don't, I don't know. I, do. I don't know. I just don't he know how does. to age. I don't know yeah. how to age. The uh, picture of Dorian Gray. Uh, I mean, I'm just so attic. relatable, man. I've uh, so I've been up into that attic. That painting is fucked. But uh, so what I what I used as my um, grading system 
was obviously it had to have some sort of Christmas festive yeah, appeal because I'm guessing for a lot of people who are, you know whether you're, you're here tonight in the audience streaming at home or maybe going to be listening to this on the podcast afterwards this might be your your gateway into Doctor Who or, or a reason to maybe have a look at it. This, might this one's free, kids. <laughs> yeah. This might so be I for thought you, you want it, you want it to be Christmassy. It's going to be Christmassy. So that cuts out a lot of well, the New Year's ones don't count. Right. A lot of the end of year specials have been what they call a regeneration, which is where we change the the lead actor so it be kind of, it gets bogged down in a lot of that so uh, it was about how Christmassy is it right. how doctory is it because I want you to watch it and go oh I see why this is a show that that 40 year old nerds enjoy and uh, and also then just broad appeal right. for you know if you don't understand the show if you've never watched it you could watch this and it still makes sense okay so do you I I think you have like three for us. I, ha- I narrowed it down to a top three out okay. of a possible 17. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pretty good. Yeah. So the first one I'm going to... Th- this is a what made it in at number three. Oh. I felt I had to put this in because uh, it involves David Tennant, who was recently voted the second most popular Doctor of all time. Second? Second, behind Tom Baker with the scarf. Right. So he is the king of the modern era. And this is, was him at the height of his powers. It was a, a story called The Voyage of the Damned. It was about a, a spaceship that was uh, like a cruise ship where you, it was a, a theme based on the Titanic. Great. But a spaceship, a Titanic spaceship. Great. Yeah. And so it's he lands on board Tasteful. and there's uh, people would get day passes to go down and visit planet Earth and watch them going about Christmas Day as a tourist destination and then he meets a young maid uh, 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 waitress on board the ship played by our very own Kylie Minogue now this is the all time greatest Doctor Who episode ever 13.3 million people watched this episode is that because of Kylie? it was like at the height of David Tennant's powers it was when the modern era suddenly took off and I felt if I didn't include this people will lynch me right it's not particularly Christmassy, but it's it's quite good and gives us one of the all-time greatest Doctor Who scenes, uh, which I'll show you now. So this is David Tennant as the Doctor, just throwing down big time. Follow me. Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Casterbaris. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. <laughs> you got a problem with that? No. In that case, Al Wow. Like, that's good. That's a good one. Nine hundred and three years old. He there's almost looks of, as good as you. There's a lot. There's a lot of acting that he has to do where there's pyrotechnics going off behind him, and he doesn't blink once. What was that character that looked like the coronavirus? Banacafalata. It was Ban- a yeah, small. Right. Yeah, okay. Good question, course, Ben. Sorry. Good looks question. Looks like coronavirus. Yeah. This yeah. red spiky. Yeah. Yeah. He's referred to as a conker at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's slightly yeah. racist. Right? This is, as we're as we're going through all these shots of people, this is suddenly yes. Uh, for those who are listening to this after the fact, it's a a little person with a red face paint and a spiky head. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Ben was so that was number three. So uh, it, it dropped off because it wasn't particularly Christmassy. That one. That's okay. So is there, is anyone commenting on that, Benjamin? Uh, someone said that if you were to lynch yourself for not playing that clip, would you lynch yourself with the Doctor Who scarf? Oh goodness! Oh. Jeez, sure, that, that that's dark. wow. 
That's a very dark tone. Wow. All right. Sure. Would well, do. Good to know that people from Adelaide are watching. Thank you for <laughs> joining in. So that was only the third one that they had ever made at that point. So they sort of hit a peak very, very early. What made number two for me, this was, uh, I think, around number 11. We're at 2013? Uh, yes. Oh, 2014. This is uh, my favourite doctor of the modern era, Peter Capaldi. Um, he was a wonderful Scottish man from uh, the thick of it. He was last seen prior to playing Doctor Who. He was at the end of uh, Z is for Zombie, the Brad Pitt zombie movie, mm. where he played uh, someone from the World Health Organisation, where his credit was Who Doctor, and oh the wow. next role he plays is Doctor Who. I think that's a wonderful squid bit, everybody. Yes. A wonderful little squid <laughs> yes. bit. Hashtag squid bit. Hashtag I don't get it, I'm not a regular listener. Okay. <laughs> now this one is in there. It is particularly Christmassy. It is... It, it, I love this to bits, this episode. This episode. It is a Christopher Nolan Christmas special, this Well, one. you've got my attention. It is like <laughs> Inception. It is, it is the big bad alien in this is called a dream crab. It attaches to your face and it makes you fall asleep as it sucks your brains out. Yeah. It's delightful Christmas fare. Ben's for the dealt kids. with them before. Yeah. <laughs> Every night. And so then you're in a dream world within a dream world within a dream world. Right. So it's a bit complex, and if you're not quite in, it's got a little bit of uh, Doctor Who ness in it that if you don't quite follow, it takes a bit of catching up. Mm. But one of the highlights of this is that the guest star is Nick Frost, comedic actor Nick Frost, mm. who is so wonderful playing the role of Father Christmas, oh. Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, Sinterklaas. We just got the, the whole history before. Right. So this is one of my favourite scenes. This is Nick Frost chewing the scenery as Santa Claus, who's been caught on the rooftop and is now trying to convince someone he's not actually Santa Claus. <laughs> Sorry about this, girl. We, we are just three passing... Perfectly ordinary roof people doing some emergency <laughs> roof things. Carry on. Merry Christmas. If, if, it, if it is Christmas, I mean, <laughs> I don't much care for things like that myself. I mean, Christmas. <laughs> Are you? Santa Claus. Me? <laughs> no. Oh, no! It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. Wiggle! <laughs> All right, fine. Yes. Yes, it's me. <laughs> Guilty. How did you recognise me? <laughs> Just wonderful. Wonderful. So if you can get past the fact that there's a references to characters at the start that you might not know, I highly recommend Last Christmas. I'd be wrapped with Nick Frost turning up on my uh, roof. <laughs> Every scene he's in yeah. is hilarious. Okay, so can I tell you what my favourite one is and then yes. we'll see if it is... If we so match. my favourite Doctor is Matt Smith. Yes. I think the first season of Matt Smith, for me, yes. is perfect. And Sorry, see the one with the like he's got like a meaty head, <laughs> like like Jesse Plemons' head. Oh yeah, meaty yeah. as in uh, like it's like, like a sliced children meat. No, no, yeah. you know, like you know when you tip a can of dog food over and sure. just <laughs> right, like lands yes. like that, like a head sure. like that. Yeah, sure. like I would have gone with 
the one that wore the bow tie. But no, yeah, that guy. That, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. though, right? So he's, he's got a meaty head. Yeah, okay, good. But he's got the right haircut for the meaty head. Meat Smith. Yeah, yeah. I forget what we were talking about. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. Big chin, yeah. lots of hair, yeah. wonderful bow tie. Because, quote, as he would say, bow ties are cool. Exactly. So and he's so in your favourite, right? So he's done about. He did about four or five. So right. This is we've got to whittle this down now. So uh, a Christmas Carol, uh, the play on that one. Yes. Uh, I think everything about that, if you've never seen Doctor Who, is a perfect one-off episode because he, the way he, uh, thank you. It's always easy to make a whole lot of people clap, but when you can make one person clap, <laughs> that is ninja skills. I. Uh, but the way he first appears, uh, that whole adventure, you don't really need to know any backstory and it's really self-contained and it's really Christmassy. Well, Justin, number one with a bullet. I went with the 2010 Christmas special. A Christmas Carol starring Macbeth! Oh. Guys, we have the same one! We are twinsies. What? Yes, this is... The, this was at a time, too, where you have to remember we have lost... The guy we saw earlier, David Tennant, mm. who everybody loved. Suddenly, Doctor Who had female fans. It, guys, it had female, young female fans. Yeah. And then he leaves. <laughs> the showrunner that brought the show back leaves. Mm. And suddenly, there's a new showrunner and a new lead actor that no one's heard of before. And everyone's like, good luck. And they nailed it. That yeah. first season of Matt Smith's is fantastic. It's a great stepping on point if you've never watched the show before. It's a wonderful reset. And it all culminates in his very first Christmas special. It's called The Christmas Carol. It's a wonderful play on the Dickensian version of it. So, because uh, when you think uh, the, the classic story of Ebenezer Scrooge, right. here's this miser. And what are we dealing with? To change his ways, we're dealing with the ghosts of past present and future yes, yes. well what is that but time travel so here comes the doctor the basic premise is two of his friends are on a spaceship that is crash landing on an alien planet and the only way that they're going to land safely is if the fog that surrounds this planet is lifted it is controlled by a miserly scrooge-like character and it's up to the doctor to thaw his frozen heart and make him lift the fog. In doing so, what mysteries shall be revealed? And does it have anything to do with the woman who is frozen in a fridge in his office? Yes. Welcome to A Christmas Carol, my friends. So this is, you do mention the Doctor's entrance in this right from the start. If you don't know who this character is, he appears rolling out of a chimney all guns are blazing, yeah. his mouth going 100 miles an hour, which was very much Matt Smith's doctor. And uh, I'll just play it, and you can have a look for yourselves. Here's Matt Smith. Ah. Yes. Blimey. Sorry. Christmas Eve on a rooftop. Saw a chimney. My whole brain just went, what the hell? Don't worry, Fat Fuller will be doing the rounds later. I'm just scoping out the general chimminess. Yes! Nice size. Good track. Big tick. Fat Fella. Father Christmas. Santa Claus. Or, as I've always known him, Jeff. Isn't there such a person as Father Christmas? Oh, yeah. Me and Father Christmas. Frank Sinatra's Hunting Lodge, 1952. See him at the back with the blonde, Albert Einstein, the three of us together. Watch out. Okay? okay? Keep the faith. Stay off the noise.
<laughs> so good. Right? So it's really just yeah, using the the classic tale of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. So this this old guy uh, Kazran is the one who is trying to get to to lift this fog. He doesn't care that there's four thousand people on a spaceship going to crash land. He doesn't care. He hates everybody. And the doctor's trying to work out why. Why are you so mad? So decides to go back in time to when he was a kid and find out what scarred him so much. What was it? Uh, it was, well, we find out that this woman in the fridge is... The people of this planet are being held... If you can't pay your taxes, you, get, you can get a loan. And then his dad is in charge of taking collateral, which is a member of your family, and they get put in this big vault right. and frozen until you can pay back the, the money. And if you can't, they stay there. He falls in love with one of the people that are trapped in there, brings her out once a year at Christmas time, I need to discover that there is a counter on the front of the fridge that every time she comes out keeps clicking down and down and there is a reveal at the end of what will happen if it goes down to zero. See, I love Doctor Who, but as soon as you start saying out loud what goes on, you can feel people going. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, but it all makes sense. Lines like, <laughs> like look know, at Ben. Like, Ben's never been more confused. He's like, well, hang on a minute. I'm here, I'm here, but my soul has left my body. <laughs> because it's time travel, there's this wonderful scene where he's dealing with the older Kazrag character, and he's looking at this home movie, and then uh, the Doctor disappears into his time machine and goes back and suddenly appears in the home movie when he was a kid and the doctor comes in through the window and the kid turns around and says what are you doing coming in my window and the doctor says well because if i was going out your window i'd be going the wrong way which is a <laughs> wonderful doctor who yeah. line and but yeah he, he follows him the whole way through and uh the past the present and how he shows him the ghosts of christmas future is, is really beautifully done. So I highly recommend it. It's, it is, of course, sci-fi fantasy, but it's, uh, it, it plays with the traditional Christmas Carol story that everybody knows. Is, is this your favourite reinterpretation of the Christmas Carol tale? Well, um, the Muppet one's pretty good. Yes! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Correct answer? Correct. Oh, yes. thank God for that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He was Garth Brooks was great in that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Young Garth Brooks was so good. This, the, the discarded Tim. He was the discarded Muppet. He was yeah. the tiny Tim Muppet, wasn't he? He was at the end. God bless us, everyone. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so crutches much. and frets. By the way, did, did anyone notice that in those photos he was in his 30s and Alex was referring to him? He's in his 60s. His 60s. <laughs> All right, uh, before you go, so what's happening with the Christmas or the New Year's special this year? Do you well, know? all you need to know is well, we have our new Doctor, uh, well, she's two years in now, Jodie Whittaker, the first female to play the lead, doing a wonderful job. I think she's amazing. And we have Daleks back, everybody's favourite scary things with uh, toilet plungers on their arms, which, you know, when they were brought back in the modern era, they're like the first episode where there was a guy like, what are you going to do with that? clean out the sink and it just sucks <laughs> onto his face and suffocates him and you just go never thought of that before <laughs> genius so yes the Daleks are back for New Year's Day good luck everybody that's great alright round of applause for Rove McManus Merry Christmas Merry Christmas <laughs> and let's check in with our friend Adele Sorry about this, this is my flatmate Gavin. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to work at the moment, Gavin. Our final guest for the evening is one of my favourites, Georgia Mooney, or as I like to call her, Georgia Moo, 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 say I do, Georgia Moo, 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 say I do. I don't know whether anyone apart from myself and Gavin 
Thank you, my status the great head moaning Moby. Even Gavin's not sure. Anyway, our final guest is Georgia Mooney from all our exes live in Texas. I was going to make a joke about her being from the Dance Press Terminal or her Skepsis live in Texas, but Gavin's rather put me off. Anyway, please welcome to the stage. Georgia Moon. Amazing. Hello. 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 Hi. How are you? Uh, we got oh, everything yes. sorted no, there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I'm curious to know, uh, as uh, as someone who is a singer, songwriter, performer, have you ever had the joy of performing at Carols by Candlelight? Oh, <laughs> no. But it is a secret dream. Is it? Oh, yeah. But I think I'd quite like to be in the choir and so I could just sing like this and in a robe and then sort of have the camera pan across and then be like, that's me, Mum! <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want it to linger? No, no, I don't think so. Either that or have a beautiful, tearful duet with Anthony Kalia or something. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? God, he'd hurt his neck looking up to you, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's tiny. He, he escapes from a kinder surprise. And um, what would, what would be what would be your song? Like, do you have a song in mind that you would do for carols? Well, I mean, it probably has to be Silent Night, doesn't it? It's right. It's perfect, yeah. I can't yeah. believe that you haven't uh, done one yet. Like, you haven't, well, like, have I'm you done... Well, I'm not Delta Goodrum. It's crazy. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> one day. <laughs> have it, but, like, I don't mean to brag, but, you know... I've You've done it, haven't you? Yeah, I've, uh, I've hosted the Darabin uh, Carols <laughs> by Candlelight. God damn it, have I? Yeah, and I, like, you know, did it a few years in a row because I did such a good job the first year. So, you know, like, Obviously. just a just a course school. You know... Uh, uh, back in 2002, I was hosting it and there was a, uh, a little dance group called Dance Machine. It was this uh, group of girls who were like grade three, grade four, and they were, you know, at the start of a dance, they all have to be in their positions ready mm. to go and the CD wouldn't start and so these poor kids are still in their position so I thought I'll go and talk to them <laughs> and, you know, interview them while they got the CD right and so having these nice little chats and I said to the first girl, who's your favourite artist? And she said, Delta Goodrum. And I went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then got to the next girl, had a nice little chat. Well, what's your, who's your favourite artist? Delta Goodrum. Anyway, they all love Delta Goodrum. And then I got to the last one and uh, I said to her, who's your favourite artist? And she said, Christina Aguilera. And I said, oh, she's a little bit sexy, isn't she? And this little girl turned around and said, ah, uh, only when she touches her gina. <laughs> Well, and I looked at her and I said, "Well, when you put it that way, I guess she's one of my favourites as well." <laughs> <laughs> I did oh not get asked hey. back the year after that. <laughs> <laughs> How does a heathen atheist like you summon the enthusiasm to host a carols by candlelight? Uh, it's, being, it's called being paid. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all got a price. Um, before uh, Georgia classes up the joint with the song, is there any uh, anything online, Ben, for Georgia? Uh, 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 someone said that Gavin's a star. Uh, whoever you were criticising before for being too short, and someone said that it looks like I'm not wearing any pants. Right. Oh, oh well. Flesh-coloured shorts. And you're not. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely treat for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should have warned you before you came out. And uh, so tonight you're going to sing a song that you couldn't sing at Carols by Candlelight. Is that correct? Well, it's not exactly traditional. It's from the. Um, movie Best Little Whorehouse in Texas <laughs> and it's sung by the ladies um, and uh, mostly Dolly Parton, Our Lord and Saviour. Yeah. Um, 
So I love it. I think it's probably my favourite Christmas song. And um, it feels, you know, after this shitful year, it feels it feels right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Would you like to give us a little bit of Dolly Parton then, please? I will. And you're going to sit there and watch me. I am. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Don't. There's no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> ben and I can comment <laughs> on the way through it. Like, how do you play that? <laughs> Maybe I'll dye my hair Maybe I'll move somewhere Maybe I'll get a car Maybe I'll drive so far They'll all lose track Me, I'll bounce right back Maybe I'll sleep real late Maybe I'll lose some weight Maybe I'll clear my junk Maybe I'll just get drunk on apple wine. Me, I'll be just. Where's my pick? Where's my pick? Where's my pick? Fine <laughs> and dandy. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. I'm barely getting through. Tomorrow, still, I won't play. Maybe I'll learn to sew And maybe I'll just lay low Maybe I'll hit the bars Maybe I'll count the stars until the door Me, I will go on Maybe I'll settle down Or maybe I'll just leave town Maybe I'll have some fun Maybe I'll meet someone And call them mine Me, I'll be just fine And dandy Lord, it's like a hot candy Christmas I'm barely getting through Tomorrow, still I won't play Sorrow bring me away Jesus, intimidating sitting so close to real talent, right, yeah, Ben? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was in there? Oh, yeah, we can sing some songs as well. Um, <laughs> give it up one more time. <laughs> <laughs> give it one more time for Georgia Mooney, doing a great job. Uh, 
thank you very much. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, before you go, uh, just a few thank yous. Could we have a round of applause for all the staff here at Giant Dwarf doing a great job? <laughs> Moira and the gang, thank you very much. Uh, so th this is actually, when we put it up as audio, this will be the last episode for the year, but uh, if you're watching live at the moment, our next episode is our tenant episode. <laughs> so Boom! I don't, I don't mean to brag, but it's really good. And I thought about it heaps, and I'm pretty wrapped with it. But uh, what we'll do is we'll finish off uh, Season 3, then uh, we'll have a little bit of a break, and then we'll be back with Season 4. We're going to have some uh, new ideas. We'll have some of our regulars. Uh, we're going to be introducing uh, a new segment, Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted, which will be a storytelling aspect of it. So we'll just keep evolving and bring you something that we hope uh, you will enjoy and we'll engage with you uh, throughout uh, 2021. Uh, can we also, before we have uh, a round of applause for all the acts that we've seen tonight, can we have a specific round of applause for Ben Elwood, who's done a great job on the oh. podcast this season? Oh. Yeah. I wanted to get him a specific round of applause uh, from a sincere point of view, and also I just really enjoy seeing him not cope with people being nice to him. So <laughs> that was my Christmas present to me. So thank you very much for that. Uh, can we have a round of applause for all the acts that we've seen tonight? We'll give it up for Ben Elwood, Alex Jay, Richard Feidler, Alice Fraser, Rogue McManus, Georgia Mooney. Big round of applause for Cal Wilson. So funny. And uh, because you were singing a Dolly Parton song, I thought we'd finish with a Dolly quote. Amazing. Uh, so Dolly Parton said, and this feels uh, appropriate going into the, the fun part of Christmas. I tried every diet in the book. I tried some that weren't in the book. I tried eating the book. It tasted better than the diets. <laughs> Until then. Come, they told me, pa ra pa pa a newborn king to see, pa ra pa pa our finest gifts to bring, pa ra pa 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 ra pa 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 ra pa 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 me and my drum. So to honour him, pa ra pa 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 our finest gifts to bring Ra-ba-pum-pum 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 Me and my drum Mary's quiet Ra-ba-pum-pum Me and my drum Mary's quiet Ra-ba-pum-pum Me and my drum me and my drum. I'm stepping a loop. You better go. Save yourselves. Come, they told me. Me and my drum. Merry Christmas. Miss your wee day. <laughs>
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.